Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. On today's episode of Foresight Friday Roundup, we're going to talk about the outlook for hospitals and health systems through the end of the year and into 2021. Today, we're going to talk about a new survey of 64 health system executives by Kaufman Hall and a new survey of 117 health system executives by the Center for Connected Medicine and CLAS, K-L-A-S. Both surveys came out earlier this week, so that has to mean something, right? To tell us what they mean are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Gary Bisbee, co-founder of the Health Management Academy. Dave, Gary, how are you guys doing this morning? Uh, At least you didn't have to flip channels last night, right? (laughs) I guess you're talking about the debate. I was impressed by the wardrobe coordination that... uh... Vice President Biden had a solid blue tie on and President Trump had a solid red tie on. There you go. Perfect. Gary, how about you? I didn't look at it, gentlemen. I was too busy preparing for our session this morning. So Good to hear. <laughs> All right. Uh, listen, before we talk about these two new surveys and what they say, I wanted to ask you guys about uh, what you're hearing. You do talk to a lot of executives and leaders every day. So what's the mood out there in the field? Uh, what's your read on how they're feeling right now? Dave, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? It's a tale of two cities. Health systems that have invested in vertical integration uh, seem to be doing just fine uh, because they're ahead of the curve with regard to where the marketplace is going. Those that have clung to fee-for-service models are really struggling right now. Gary, same thing. Uh, What's your sense of the mood in the industry? I agree with Dave. Uh, The few health systems that are literally fully integrated are clearly doing better. But most of the large systems are doing well, the larger ones, and the financial hit wasn't as bad. So everybody's kind of breathing a sigh of relief. Uh, Most of the larger systems have pretty good balance sheets. I think there's general wariness of the future. And are we going to go through another major wave? So whatever feeling that uh, there is over the finances have straightened themselves out. It's not as bad as I thought they were going to be is balanced by this just lack of certainty about what's coming. Yeah, I don't talk to as many people as you guys do, but the ones I talk to, to me, are in that kind of punch drunk or gallows humor phase. You know, like, sure, why not? Can't get any worse. Bring it on. You know, maybe that's just their way of coping with everything that's happening right now. So, well, we'll see. All right, let's talk about these uh, two new surveys of health system executives. Dave, when you read the survey findings, what jumped out at you as areas of concern, Or as an old editor once told me, tell me the bad news. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of bad news. It reminds me of the old Chinese proverb that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Uh, The trouble is if you're waking up to, in this case, a value journey and realize that you still have 9,999 miles to go. The class study focused on telehealth, AI, and RevCycle on telehealth 
good news. 90% said telehealth use was way up and 75% are measuring and analyzing telehealth data. Trouble is very few are examining outcomes related to that telehealth data. Kind of the same story on AI. Over half of the leaders surveyed are, are using AI in a big way. However, uh, most are using 20% of the latest of their data collected through the AI to inform their decisions. Put those two together, it's a little bit like bringing in the wheat from harvest and not knowing how to separate the wheat seeds from the chaff. You're just not going to get very good bread. On revenue cycle, it, it's the biggest priority and a real need to invest in predictive analytics, AI, bots, and automation to improve collections. But in many ways, this is just the same wine in a new bottle. Uh, under duress, hospitals have always resorted to revenue enhancement to get themselves out of trouble uh, and focus less on, on value creation. And that's brought out in the Kaufman Hall study. It almost feels Old Testament like, you know, volumes down, expenses are up, competition's increasing. They're worried about staff burnout. Three quarters are moderately or extremely concerned about their financial viability, lots of red ink. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the Aesop fable about the ant and the grasshopper. Uh, we've been at this value-based healthcare journey for over 10 years. And if you've been focused on um, maximizing volume and revenues during that time, suddenly you realize winter is coming. And I think that's what's happening to many hospitals. And there's going to be begging for more resources. Uh, we've already started to see that even as overall society is, is trying to uh, come to terms with COVID and has gone into enormous debt to, to address the COVID-related concerns. So it's pretty bleak. Winter is coming. Gary, what do you see as areas of concerns or uh, challenges in the survey results? I'll go back to Dave's point about the tale of two cities, because if you look at the large integrated health systems, Many, if not most of them, have strong balance sheets. They have good prospects for the future. They've got terrific talent. They can react to a crisis like this, and their circumstances are substantially different than a hospital or a small health system. So with that as background, uh, when I look at the results, of surveys like this, you can kind of see where it's going. What I think that the executives of basically any provider, but particularly as I think about the larger health systems, they're concerned about one, the next wave. And some of that came out in the surveys, um, particularly Kaufman Hall survey, they're concerned about the next wave and what that means to them financially, uh, as well as in other areas. As I talk to the senior executives of the provider organizations, there's a general concern about the lack of a database to help project the effect of something like COVID and how it would grow regionally. Because if you look at certain parts of the country, the providers didn't actually get hit as hard as other parts of the country, but there's no database, there's no countrywide database to show that. 
And that leads into the next point, which is the politicization of the CDC is remarkable and uh, substantially disappointing and is harmful to the interests of the providers, not only because the CDC is the place you'd look at for a database that would be helpful in projecting the surge, but for collecting data and any kind of data that would resemble performance in a crisis like this is is really suspect now at the uh, CDC. The other thing that there's general concern about, although people aren't talking about it publicly as much, and that is that the long-term effects of the crisis on the caregivers, on the doctors, on the nurses, on others in the provider institutions. And uh, as Wright Lasseter, the CEO at Henry Ford, shared uh, several months ago with me that they had something like 250 deaths at Henry Ford hospitals in the space of about three weeks. And he said, you know, doctors and nurses hadn't seen 250 deaths in their career, let alone in two or three weeks. And that kind of thing is going to have ramifications going forward, and one imagines over the next several years. So there's a lot more to be said there. Some of the providers in the urban areas are concerned about union activity, and will this will this cause this kind of crisis and resulting burnout and so on? Will that cause an increase in union activity? So those are some of the things. Some of those points are ones I've picked up from my discussion. Some of them uh, are directly addressed in the surveys, and some of them are implied uh, in the surveys. Got it. Dave, anything to add to Gary's comments? I think Gary's points are are well taken. Um, Scale and capabilities matter as we, as a society, adjust from volume-based payment to value-based payment. And I think the truth is that many organizations aren't going to be able to make that transition. And that's that's brought out in the survey. And they are disproportionately going to be smaller health systems and, and individual hospitals. And we're going to be talking about life um, pre-COVID and after COVID in the healthcare industry, I think, for the foreseeable future. So I thought all of Gary's points were very well taken. Great. Thanks, Dave. As usual, it's glass half full time. So, Gary, uh, what jumped out at you from the two surveys in terms of good news? What did they say that made you optimistic about the rest of the year and uh, 2021? Well, we're almost through the year, Dave, of course. So uh, it's a little tough to, to be too enthusiastic about what's going to happen in the next two months, especially with uh, potential surge here. But looking forward to answer the question, I do think that there are some substantial positives, one being telehealth. I think Dave spoke about telehealth uh, when he was talking about the uh, couple of surveys. And the point there is that it's long overdue. Uh, We've got the technology. Doctors need to do it. Patients need to do it. And the government and the insurance companies and any of the payers need to pay for it. 
And all of that needs to happen. And I think that this forced use of the COVID has accelerated that usage. So I think that's a distinct positive. What I'm hearing from many of the health systems is that they are going ahead and innovating. And now that we're using telehealth, how can we use it to improve quality? How can we use it to improve efficiency? How can we move from primary care into specialty care? What innovative uses for this new telehealth platform can we uh, arrive at? So I think that we're going to see a lot more use for telehealth than we see right now. And the payers, ones that I speak to, the insurance companies in particular, like that. They would like to encourage innovation. They'd like to pay for innovation. So I think that's a distinct positive One of the things that was implied in the survey but not addressed directly is remote working. A substantial benefit. Uh, The providers are overweighted on assets. They need to back off that. This is one way to do that. Every Every CEO I've spoken to says that we will not return to 100% of the workforce reporting for duty on site and what percentage uh, they can kind of direct into remote working remains to be seen. But I think we're going to see that, and I think that's positive for the workers that want to do it, and it's positive for the health systems that don't really have too much invested in facilities and can back off that a bit. Another positive that came out of this is the pace of decision-making. Health insurers, the health providers, the health systems – uh, just had to make decisions in a short period of time. They they couldn't wait. And some of that will continue on. And I think we'll, a uh, rising tide lifts all boats, I think we'll end up that we'll be making faster decisions, uh, which can only be helpful. It may be that we will finally establish Medicaid as a healthcare floor in this country. And I think to the extent that COVID has really settled that, if not settled it, at least pointed it in the direction that it will be settled, that will be a substantial positive. And then, as Dave mentioned, there's been a lot of work on financial systems, revenue cycle, AI, and so on, that I think will only be a positive. So, so that's just a quick tour through what I see as positives coming out of COVID, some of which were covered directly in the surveys, some of which were implied by them. Dave, what in the surveys made you optimistic? Uh, What solutions did you see in the results? Or are you seeing in the field uh, that are addressing some of the areas of concern? I've started to look at COVID-19 as a type of Pearl Harbor event for the healthcare industry. And the U.S. was not ready for World War II. Uh, The Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor really set the nation back. But the remarkable thing was the extent to which the uh, country honestly looked at its position, its failings, and its opportunity. And then in a remarkable way, rebuilt the military and the war capabilities to not only fight World War II, but win it convincingly and set the stage for the post-war economic uh, rise that followed. I think maybe when we look back, COVID's biggest impact in a positive way, and it, it comes out in the surveys, 
is a level of honest uh, reckoning with where the industry is right now uh, in terms of cost, in terms of outcomes, in terms of value, and a willingness to acknowledge that and, and address these issues in, in meaningful ways. Uh, obviously, telehealth is a big part of the future. Obviously, using technology more effectively to analyze data and drive solutions is a big part of the future. Obviously, there are new types of competitors that are much more consumer-focused and retail-oriented that aren't going away. So how does the industry adapt to that? And just like after World War II, there's going to be a lot of shakeup, but looking for the optimistic strains is, is kind of comes to that and an industry coming to terms with its, uh, with its challenges and, and addressing them in a forthright way. And I do believe, as Gary does, that the systems that lead in this effort that are proactive in um, putting consumers first and driving value in uh, using their resources more effectively and appropriately to develop the capabilities to compete in a post-COVID marketplace are the ones that are going to redefine healthcare delivery as we know it. Got it. Thanks, Dave. Uh, Gary, anything to add to Dave's comments? Well, I agree with Dave's comments, and I think he's right on target. And uh, the analogy to World War II hopefully is a good one in the sense that the major organizations in healthcare, if they arrive at the conclusion that business as usual is not working and is not acceptable going forward, then I think the World War II uh, analogy will be will be well-placed. Got it. Now, as always, uh, let's talk about next week. Gary, what's the, what's the big healthcare headline next week? Well, it's easy to think about continued uh, electioneering and uh, all the chatter about healthcare. I guess next week, Barrett will be voted on in the Senate, so that'll cause a, a bunch of speculation about how she's going to vote in terms of healthcare issues. I, I wonder whether at the level of the institutions like health plans and health systems, if they're not worried about the coming surge and preparing for that, uh, it seems to me that that's probably more what they're going to be uh, thinking about. Dave, what's the big healthcare story next week? Well, Gary's right. Uh, when Amy Barrett gets confirmed by the Senate to go on the Supreme Court and on November 10th, the um, Supreme Court takes up the ACA case, which could result in its being you know, outlawed, uh, that that is getting a disproportionate amount of airtime. I actually think that's a red herring. 90% of the funding from the ACA go, has gone to Medicaid expansion. Um, that's not going away. And I also believe the fix to the court case is so easy. All the all Congress needs to do is eliminate the individual mandate and there's no more court case. So I think that's a red herring. And uh, I, I worry about the second surge. And if I were a health system executive, I'd be worried about these new interoperability and transparency regs. Um, the interoperability regs are already in place and the transparency regs where payers and providers have to disclose rates for all procedures um, look like 
that's going to happen early next year. Those are both huge changes. That's what we'd be spending all our time talking about if we weren't talking about uh, COVID and uh, and the Supreme Court. That's what I think we should be talking about. We're going to be talking about uh, the ACA. Well, I'll tell you, Dave, right when you said price transparency, there was a big clap of thunder here. So I'm just going to say you're right, right? Who, who, who can argue with that? Guys, thanks again for a great chat this morning. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed today, uh, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. You can also find a recording of this podcast and all our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.